0: Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief show on News Talk. It is time for parenting once again. Joanna Fortune is with us uh, once again. Good afternoon,
1: Joanna. Good afternoon, show.
0: Right. Uh, Here's your first question. I have a little boy who was just turned five. He's obsessed with everything to do with girls. Dress up toys in imaginary play is always female. Copies' female mannerisms, etc. This became apparent about a year and a half ago but has become a full-on obsession in recent months. Myself and my husband don't really know how to manage this. We had questioned him a lot about this. He says he just likes it and sometimes he wants to be a girl but other times says he's happy being a boy. We've given up mentioning it as we don't want to draw attention to it or make a big deal out of it but as much as we act like we're okay, in all honesty we're not. We have said to him he can wear dresses etc at home when someone calls to the house and when we go out he can't. I feel really bad about this as I don't want to do damage to him or for him to feel ashamed but I also want to protect him from the harsh realities of the world outside. People have talked and commented on it already and not in a positive way. He's surrounded by females a lot, but I just think this is very natural for him. I'm worried how this will play out in September when he starts primary school. He plays with boys in school, but his teacher says he still loves a lot of girls' toys. He has an eight-year-old sister. Any advice would be greatly appreciated.
1: I mean, there's just so much in this, isn't it? You know, we act like we're OK, but we're not. We've questioned him. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried questioning a child about why they like to play with the things they like <laughs> to play with. But they're going to be I looking at you like, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that is the answer because... They've never thought about the why of it. They Mm. just do it. So I suppose this starts with, and I really don't want this to sound harsh, but checking in with yourselves and where your own fear, because I think it's about protecting him. I really do. I think it's fear motivated by really good intentions, but how it's landing on him. To me, when, when you're reading that out, first of all, I have to catch this. He loves a lot of girls' toys. That is not a thing. There are no girls' toys boys toys. There is very clever marketing to ensure parents buy duplicates of everything if they have a mixed gender sibling group. Yes, But actually toys are toys. And if they're heavily gender toys, they're probably not for children. You know, so if if your Mm -hmm. child likes to play with a toy, that is a toy for children. So don't buy into that piece of it. for me, this kid sounds like he has a rich imagination, that he's creative, he's capable of making connections, he's playful. Mm. Brilliant. All of that's great. I would say to you, watch your reactions to what interests him because he is watching you and seeing himself reflected through you. Yeah. So make sure you are reflecting back, that you enjoy his enjoyment, that you celebrate his creativity, that you encourage. This playfulness. And that's what this is like at his age. He's very much going into that stage three developmental play, which is role play and role play isn't just, you know, dressing up in the lovely, you know, kind of Disney eyes costumes or the character costumes or the Halloween stuff. It's also taking on the role of those in our life and those around us. And what that means is like children mirror everyone around them. They imagine themselves in the role of other people so that they gain deeper insight into what is it like to be someone else and experience the world like somebody else you flagged here. He is in a predominantly female environment. Most Mm. of the time he has his older sister. He looks up to and is mirroring her and watching her and also all children, regardless of their gender, look at their moms, their sisters, their aunties, and they wonder what is it like. It's why when a child puts on your dressing gown and they traipse around with it flowing and trailing behind them, they're being royalty. That isn't mm. a statement of anything other than I'm playing. Yes. And play is a means of exploring, of experimenting, of expressing, of Understanding and developing an understanding of the world and themselves and people in it. I think he's doing a great job. Yeah. I really think just facilitate his exploration. He's five years old. Let him play with what interests him. You're saying he's going to school in September. You're worried about how that's going to play out. But actually, it will play out. His world is going to get bigger. He's going to be exposed to other influences, other children, different types of play. Anyone who has negotiated the junior infants transition knows. That this has a wave to it. They come across all kinds of microaggressions on the playground. They're playing different types of play. They're seeing different things. And you will see a change in his play patterns because also he's growing up. All of this is perfectly normal. Hold a space for him to question, experiment and explore. And who knows? what and who and how he will grow up but mm. that's okay that's his journey yeah. and at the moment he's five so I do think just check him with yourselves. So there's something here Sean about people have talked and commented on it and yeah. not in a positive yeah. way I'm like people need to get a grip of themselves oh no they you do know? but I
0: suppose it, it, understandably it's, it, it's it's in the worry. context of the greatest you know uh, the greater culture that's going on oh, people yeah. are so aware of trans issues etc But this is a five-year-old boy. This isn't a trans issue at the moment at all.
1: No, not at all. And, you know, even if this little boy does grow up to question his gender identity or explore it or anything like that... Hold a space for him mm. to be curious, to question and join him in that curiosity. Nobody knows how anybody's going to grow up by five. You're also just exploring. It's. I think we have to allow our children to play freely and openly because they're allowed to, and they're supposed to, by the way, experiment with all kinds. You know, children will role play being all kinds of characters and it's like telling you know uh, a young girl that she cannot play at being a samurai or a ninja in her play because actually that doesn't really suit the gender yeah, norm as yeah. we see it. We wouldn't do that. So I, I would say don't do that here. I mean look at your you're telling him he can do it at home he can't do it if somebody comes into your home you're questioning him a lot you're acting like you're okay but you're not okay. Just be careful that you don't inadvertently introduce confusion for him yeah, because it's yeah. probably at the moment adult anxiety adult confusion but mm. he's not confused
0: yeah yeah he's, just, he's playing. just playing actually that's a pretty good point of like how dare you be a princess this isn't a monarchy uh, yes yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs>
1: You know, so, I mean, you could do that with any role that yeah. you see your child going, oh, I didn't really think that you'd get into veterinary. I was more hoping you do. I remember, Sean, you know, I was reading this um, this uh, therapeutic story thing and in it there was this example of a mother seeing her daughter take her stethoscope out of her medical bag. And as the child put the stethoscope on, the mother thinks, oh, maybe she'll be a doctor like me mm. when she grows up and the child lifts the end of it and goes, welcome to McDonald's. Can <laughs> I take your order, please? And I just think like, we can project so much of our own uncertainty and again it comes from Mm. that fear of I want him safe I want him safe in the world and the world can be a very harsh place Yeah, but we want to create a world at home where he's safe to explore and be himself
0: yeah yeah. My husband and I are in disagreement about how to handle a new situation with our daughter. She's recently revealed to me that she started having sex with her boyfriend. They're both 16 and have been together for about two years. While I know this was a possibility, I'm not happy about it because I think they're so young. However, he's a kind, polite, smart boy and I think they really are in love. I told her that I'd have uh, to tell dad and she agreed. However, he blew a gasket. He wants to force him to split up and the poor boy hasn't dared come to the house since. I think they're not going to stop just because Daddy says so and I think we should give her permission to go on the pill so at least we won't be dealing with a teenage pregnancy setting her life on a very different course. Nor do we want to become babysitting grandparents in our 40s. As long as they're respectful to each other and there is always consent on both sides, I think we need to accept this is her life choice to make. Last bit, not so much of a question, I thought.
1: Yeah, more of a statement. <laughs> yes. put, this parent in writing the letter came the whole journey on this. I'm not OK, but I do feel I'm... I'm getting okay. I think when you read this, it's it would be so easy to say, Anna, come on, dad, you need to get with it and it's your issue, not hers. Actually, you know, we're allowed to struggle with the evidence that our children are growing up. Sure. We're allowed to find that hard. However, our struggle cannot become their issue. We Mm. cannot allow our struggle to become her problem because all you're going to do instead of growing your parenting up in line with her growth and development, you're going to fuel a growing apart. This is I mean, there's never a good time to decide you're going to grow apart from your child, but this is not the time to do it. She needs you. I think the really strong thing here is this is an open, mature teenage girl who is bringing this to you you know she's sharing this part of her life with you she's being open and honest and transparent and she's saying i this is something that you need to know because i need your support with it in keeping myself safe in my sexual life and i think there's a lot of positivities in that there are parents who are trying to second guess and almost mind read their children who here's a girl who feels a trust-based connection with you that she could even when you said I'm going to tell your dad and she's like fair enough okay yeah. do so she has a right to be safe like you're saying you want you might give her permission to go on the pill for reasons that is listed there about becoming grandparents actually she's a right to be safe um in mm. her own life and I do think you should and need to support her in going to the GP or a well woman's health center for contraception discussion so that she can get all of the information she may choose to go on the pill. That may not be the right yeah, form yeah. of contraception for her at 16, but she needs to be able to discuss this because in growing into her own maturity, emotional maturity, sexual maturity, this is actually part of her responsibility too. And you don't want her always having to come to you for everything, but developing a relationship with her GP where she can go and have an open, honest connection. So I think that's something to get on board with. You might need to take a deep breath. You might need to brace yourself before (laughs) and after that. I think the question is, what are we going to do about dad
0: rather than anything else? time.
1: But I do think, you know, as parents... This is about you leaning into each other and supporting each other's struggle. Mm. And that isn't you saying, well, I am not quite on board, but I'm mostly on board because I'm taking now a very pragmatic view of this, not an emotional one. When he's like, well, I'm in the throes of the emotional response. So it isn't that one of you is all feeling and one of you is all doing. I think maybe get out of the house, go for the walk talk this through, have the rant, have the cry, feel disappointed, feel worried, do all of that and then get onto a shared language where, yes, we will make sure our daughter is safe yeah, because that's yeah. our priority here. And I do think you can say to her, by the way, as parents, we don't have to say to our 16 year olds, well, I'm delighted you're having sex. You know, we mm. that may not be our truth. And don't sell that if it's not. You can say, Look, we think you're too young, but we're really glad that you came to us with this because our priority is making sure that you're both safe and that you understand just because you have said yes doesn't mean you can't say no that Mm. consent is given and it can be taken back, that just because you've said yes once doesn't mean you have to keep having sex, that you are in control of your own choices, your own body, and it's about a mutuality. But I also think, you know, you do want her aware of potential consequences in terms of pregnancy or STIs, But try not to demonise this either, that we do want our children understanding that sex is for pleasure and that it's about mutuality, respect and that shared consent piece. So, in other words, open communication. I just think mind each other as parents. It's very easy for me to sit here because I'm not this child's parent. I'm sitting here saying, well, this is the best advice I can give you. But from an empathic point of view, I understand that parents will struggle with this and you're allowed to. Just don't struggle on her. Don't make your struggle her relationship struggle. I'm already hearing this boy won't come to the house for fear of the gasket that was blown. Yeah. You know, so you need to get back onto a page where... You'd rather that she's talking to you in the house than it's happening behind your back without your knowledge.
0: Yeah. Uh, A lot of people texting in and say the age of consent is 17. No, absolutely
1: aware of that. And you can, of course, say that to her and should. That's what you're saying here. When I said, you know, we think you're too young. They they are too young. And that's why you would say that to her. But again, the reality of two teenagers having sex and they've told you we are having Mm. sex is to ensure they're safe.
0: Yeah. Now, at the same time, uh, um, it's not—it's not like a flat line. You're not going to like burst into flames or something if you're if you're a day less than than 17. The law also recognises that young people may engage in sexual activity with each other, and there is a thing called a proximity of age defence. Now, obviously, if you're younger than 17. And there's a significant age gap with the person you're engaging in sex with. Oh, absolutely. That's That's a whole other conversation. But these are both kids who are 16.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Uh, And uh, And that's crucial in this, you know, that that is a factor in it. Now, again, though, you would say to them, we think you're too young. Oh, no, absolutely. We would rather you wait. It's not like parents are expected to say, I'm delighted, delighted to hear this. So happy for you. Yeah,
0: But but the you're going to get arrested actually isn't going to happen. No. Claire says, tell the dad who blew a gasket to watch the Anne Lovett film. Well, that's actually probably the outer edge of that, but I suppose it's a fair point. My seven-year-old daughter has massive separation anxiety. She's fine with me going to work, etc. But when it comes to going out in the evening and having to stay with someone else, always close family, she gets very upset about having to go to bed without me and my husband being at home. She dislikes staying in anyone else's home also. When I ask her why she hates to be away from us so much, she says, I'm scared you won't come back. Or that you'll die. She cannot be upstairs in the house if I'm downstairs and vice versa. She was terrified one day when she was calling me and I was in the garden shed and didn't hear her. She was hysterical and thought I died. I don't know what to do to allay these irrational fears.
1: It's such a good Gosh. example of when, you know, just because a fear is irrational doesn't make it less real for the yes. person. Like this is, this parent... also conscience. very
0: specific.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes, Sean, I think, you know, be curious about this because because sometimes when children say I'm afraid you'll die behind that is an anxiety of what would happen to me if you did yeah where would I live who would I live with what would happen and sometimes children need to know the answers around that you know so that those fears can be okay well if the worst thing happened I know what the plan is that's very hard again for parents by the way because yeah. you're like, oh, no, I I haven't got that plan in place. But our temptation is to immediately jump in and say, I'm not going to die. And if only we had that level of control over the world. So I think instead it's to acknowledge with empathy and acceptance, validate her fears. This is a really big worry for you. You've worried about it a lot. You've worried about it even when I'm only in the garden or only in the bathroom. And you're trying to give back to her, you know, when you're worried the chances are I'm here or I'm here or I'm here. But I acknowledge that you're worrying within this. So I think you want to start with that validation piece. Do not minimize or dismiss her fear, but gently and with curiosity go, well, hang on a second. If I don't respond to you the first time you call, what's the most likely thing? It's not that I've died. What's more likely? I'm in another room. What could be the other likeliness? I'm out in the garden. What is the other piece? I may be on the phone or doing something and can't respond to you. So you're giving her. So before you jump to I've died, What three things could you do to check where I am? And you're breaking it down into kind of practical, fact based steps for her. Mm. You call me a second time. You go to these rooms to look for me. And you know I would never leave you alone in the house. So I have to be somewhere. So I will always be X, Y, or Z. And you're giving her that in a way to try and go, okay, so when the irrational fear spikes, She can get to the place of I need to check this, this and this because I know you would never leave me alone. Sometimes children benefit from having transitional objects because this little one is also having anxiety when parent leaves the house, Mm. which it's very important we do, by the way. And even with a child with separation anxiety, because they also need to see that you can go and come back that you exist even when you're not with them and that they have that trust-based connection. So some transitional object, that could be, you know, something really small of yours. It could be a little bracelet or a necklace that she can wear while you're away. It could be something even simpler than that. And, you know, um, a cotton hanky sprayed with your perfume that smells like you. And she can put it in her pocket and feel you close, even when you're not there. Mm. You can talk to her about how there's an invisible string that connects your heart to her heart. And even when you're not physically together, you're there. And when you don't see her with your eyes, you feel her in your, in your heart. And so can she. And you could also come up with a little song that you sing together. It could be as nice, simple as a lullaby or a nursery rhyme, by the way. And that when she's feeling that she's missing you, that she can sing that song and that you tell her that you sing that song when you're not together too. So you're trying to give her these transitional ways of holding you in mind and knowing she's held in your mind when you're not together. If this was to kind of go on and on or if this is already in place for a long time and there hasn't been a life event to provide specific context to it you might consider getting her some play-based therapy with a play therapist who could just give her that non-verbal it's very hard to go why are you worried about something irrational i mean i don't know if anyone's ever tried to articulate an irrational thought it's very Mm. difficult to do by definition But children can benefit from that play-based expression because it's symbolic representation. They can play out the worry and it's a way of processing and releasing. She might benefit from something like that, but there are those more practical things you can do at home as well or instead of.
0: Yeah, it's also interesting. Part of that is teaching her the difference between possible and probable. Exactly. A lot of adults don't know the difference between those two things. Absolutely. Twitter would be completely improved if everybody knew. Or the it difference.
1: would disappear you entirely. Would, oh, exactly, it you would know. actually. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> it is a uh, social media of the possible but not the probable. Joanna, thanks for winning Thank us. Thank you so As were, much. Uh, Joanna Fortune there. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on Newstalk. Talk.